Have you ever wondered what was going on between the ears of your crush? Ever wondered where things are going with the guy you're dating? Are you dissatisfied with your love life? Are you happily attached but still want to improve things? If so, you have come to the right place. I am proud to share with you that your search is over. You are now listening to What Is He Thinking? What is he thinking? What is he thinking? The Dating and Relationship Podcast for the benefit of women from the perspective of men. And now, without further ado, your host, Alexander B. Stevens. You are now listening to The Authentic Male Perspective on Dating and Relationships. Season 2, Episode 13. Episode number 35 overall. Let's get into it. What's going on? This is Alexander B. Stevens, the host to the podcast that you just can't get enough of. What is he thinking? This is the podcast where we do something a little bit strange in 2022. We give you the straight truth with no chaser. I know this is a little odd, but I think you're strong enough to handle it. So, hey, let's go on ahead and get into it. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about a controversial figure. We're talking about someone who some of my listeners have said that I remind them of, except I'm a nicer version of this individual. We're talking about somebody who in 2021 completely took over the dating and relationship space on YouTube, Instagram, and all of social media. Today, we're talking about Kevin Samuels. Disclaimer. The episode you are listening to now and all episodes in this current series were conceived in January of 2021. Most of the recordings of this episode and all the episodes of this series were recorded the first and second week of March in 2022. All this being said, please keep in mind when listening to this episode that we will be speaking about the subject matter in present tense, not knowing that the subject matter of the episode would have passed away tragically and unexpectedly by the time the episode was actually released to the public. After this episode's recording in the month of March, the plan always was for it to be released in May and early June. So the fact that this episode is being released and the time period that it's being released has nothing to do with trying to capitalize on the unfortunate, untimely, unexpected death of Mr. Kevin R. Samuels. Myself, Alexander B. Stevens, and all of the co-hosts and guests that I've had on the show this season would like to give our condolences to the surviving family of Mr. Kevin R. Samuels, his loved ones, and his close friends. Please bow with me for a moment of silence. Thank you. Disclaimer concluded. We're going to do a deep dive into Kevin Samuels. We'll talk about his background, his talking points, why he's controversial, and how much I agree or disagree with him. We're going to take our time with this. This might be the most analytical and deep analysis of one individual that you're going to see in this podcast YouTube space. Kevin Samuels Examined. Three-part series. Part one, starting now. 
who is Kevin Samuels. He is a 53-year-old African-American gentleman born and raised in central Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City area to be exact, to a single mother who did not have any other kids and never ended up getting married until Kevin Samuels was well into his 30s. Kevin Samuels' father has over a dozen kids but did not really play any role in his life. Kevin Samuels admits to having only child syndrome and quite often tells people who call into his show that are only thinking about having one kid not to do that to the kid. They deserve to at least have a sibling. Kevin was a pretty good student. He was accepted and graduated from the engineering program of the University of Oklahoma. While at OU, he pledged Kappa and was a relatively popular gentleman on campus. Kevin Samuels, after college, didn't really use his engineering degree, but instead got into the telecom sales industry, where he did corporate sales of telecom services to businesses. At some point in his adulthood, Kevin Samuels moved to Texas to continue his work, but he also got deeply involved in the church. Actually, he was involved in the church from a young age, but he took a leadership position in his 30s and that is of a singles ministry leader at his church in Texas. So he was dealing with dating and relationships in the religious space, spanning all the way back to 20 some years ago. Kevin Samuels has been married and divorced twice. He has one child who is approximately 22 years old and a senior in college, a daughter and no other children. Kevin Samuels blames himself for both of his marriages not working because he will self-admittingly say that he wasn't the prototypical leader and the type of man that he was supposed to be in the relationships. So he blames himself for his ex-wives not acting in the best manner because he wasn't the leader he should have been. In Kevin Samuel's adult life, he lived in Oklahoma, Texas, New York, and currently he is in Atlanta, Georgia. When the telecom industry collapsed 10, 15 years ago, Kevin began to transition into the current line of work he was in, or at least the line of work he specialized in before he blew up on YouTube. And that is of a high-end personal and corporate image consultant. Throughout his image consultant work, he would fix men up on the outside and the inside as far as their appearance goes. But he would often hear a complaint for most of these men who in most cases were top 10% earners because not many other type of men could afford his services. Anyway, the complaint that he heard most often from these men was that they could not find suitable women to settle down with. These men have already had their wild 20s, sowed their wild oats, and now we're looking forward to settling down and starting a family, but did not really see too many candidates out there worthy of doing that with. So Kevin, after hearing client after client have such a similar complaint and thinking about his struggles, talking about dating and relationships back in his church going days and his church single ministry leadership days, he started talking about dating relationships on his YouTube channel, which originally just started off as a fashion and fragrance channel. So it started off fashion and fragrance, transitioned to like male improvement and how men can do what they need to do to become the best version of themselves. And then right before the pandemic began, 
Kevin Samuels started talking to women about dating and relationships. Basically, this is the first time in mass media a man, especially a man of minority African-American descent, has openly and directly challenged women on their dating stances, dating philosophies, and other hypocrisies that some women have when it comes to dating. In 2020, when the pandemic was roaring and all other forms of entertainment were getting shut down, Kevin was having shows five days a week, two to three hours a night on YouTube, where he would start off with a 30 to 45 minute monologue and then spend the rest of the time individually with caller after caller, basically asking them about their dating life, what they wanted, what they're looking for, and using his image consultant and his singles ministry relationship experience and history to evaluate their situations and let them know what they should expect, what they shouldn't expect, and what they should change in order to get the type of man that they want. So Kevin Samuel's channel started to grow at a steady increasing rate starting in 2020. But the thing that put him over the top was the average at best viral video which was a 25-minute phone conversation in which a woman who self-admittedly called herself average-looking and didn't have a college degree was demanding a six-figure man and saying that she couldn't settle for anybody that was average in her eye, a normal man. Kevin Samuels has a direct, no-nonsense, I'ma-speak-to-you-as-if-you-are-a-man type approach when he talks to women. And women are not used to that and society as a whole are not used to that at all because society has indirectly or directly trained men to treat women with kid gloves and to not be so direct and forthright with them. Anyway, the conversation started off somewhat contentious because this young lady called in on the wrong day, not talking about the subject he had at hand and just had her own agenda. And then it ended pretty contentious at the end where Kevin ended up cursing her because after 20 plus minutes of talking, she just seemed like she didn't understand the simple points that he was trying to make. This viral video, average at best, took Kevin Samuels from the 80,000 follower range to the 1 million follower area in approximately three to four months. So seemingly he was an overnight celebrity, even though he had been on YouTube for four plus years at this point. Now, approximately a year, after his meteoric rise due to average at best, now Kevin Samuels stands at approximately 1.4 million followers on both YouTube and Instagram. He has shows on Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube and Tuesday and Thursday on Instagram. That wraps up our Who is Kevin Samuels background segment. And now we are going to one by one dig into some of Kevin's top talking points and controversial statements. And you will hear what me and a special guest thinks about Kevin's stance on these dating and relationship issues. So definitely stay tuned. If you're listening to us on YouTube, hit the like button, share, subscribe, spread the good news. The more people I can help the better. If you're not listening to us on YouTube, definitely check out that YouTube channel. Just search What I He Thinking Podcast. Look for that red and black logo and to my page you will go. I drop additional content on YouTube that you will not find on the normal podcast page. If you're just listening to me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, 
Make sure to leave me a five-star review on that Apple podcast, What Is He Thinking website. I would definitely greatly appreciate it. All right, that's enough housekeeping. Let's go ahead and transition into the second phase of this episode where we start to talk about the top Kevin Samuels talking points. And we let you know if this is good advice that you should use in your day-to-day life or if this is something you should ignore altogether or eh, take with a grain of salt. Without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've heard from this gentleman before, and I want to bring him on again to help me discuss Mr. Kevin Samuels. I'd like everybody to welcome Mr. SW to the show. How you doing, sir? Hey there. How you doing, sir? Everything going all right? Yes, sir, it is. Definitely blessed and highly favored, sir. That's what I like to hear. So how familiar are you with Mr. Kevin Samuels? Are you one of the individuals that just like to check out his clips or you actually watch his YouTube shows or his Instagram lives or how much Kevin Samuels you consume or have you consumed the last two years? Alexander, I've consumed almost all of his shows. Mm. I came across him about a year and a half ago when he went viral and I've been hooked ever since. I listened to all his YouTubes. I try to tune into his Instagram shows. And when I miss them, I just pull them back up on my phone when I'm in my car or at the gym working out and just tune right on in. So I'm a pretty faithful follower of his work. Okay, that's what I like to hear. I want to bring on somebody that was knowledgeable and not somebody that just had a passing fair weather type affiliation and knowledge of Kevin Samuels, because I believe most people who talk about him don't really listen. They just hear clips. Or they hear people talking about clips and they don't even listen to a full interview that he does. Just a two minute highlight of him going off on somebody or something. And I feel like it's unfair to evaluate somebody like that. I agree. I've had numerous conversations with folks in my family. We had a big conversation over Thanksgiving about him with several folks in my family. And I was the type that I came to a lot of the the ladies in my family about it. And I mean, they had some good words and they were like, I agree with them. But these were women in my family who were older, but who are also married folks. So they understood this, the slant that he's taken with his approach. So a lot of them did not disagree with a lot of the things that he says. Yeah. (laughs) As boldly as I proclaim or as much of a listener as I am, I've kind of been like hesitant to bring it to my family as far as the women of my family. So I give you kudos for at the Thanksgiving table, bringing it up to them because I have two younger sisters and the youngest one, I just introduced her to him like two weeks ago. And the other one, I haven't even, because I know how she is. I'm like, you're not going to like this guy at all. You're not even going to give him a chance. So I hadn't even introduced him to her, even though, well, never mind. Anyway, let's just get to the talking points. All right. So he has a bunch of talking points. I'm going to try to go in some sort of order, but it might jump around a little bit. It's all right. It's fine. First, I feel like this channel started to grow approximately two years ago, almost exactly right around when the pandemic started. He was talking about a high value man and he was defining it as more than just money. But most people, when they say high value men, they just talking about money. You have high earning and you have high value. Yeah. So his definition is you make at least $10,000 a month. And this is in the 42 regular states, not super expensive states like California or New York. You pretty much have to double those numbers in those two states. But for most of America, it's $10,000 a month. 
You have to do this for at least three years. You must have group acceptance from other high value men. Your job must be LinkedIn level and you must have a visibility. So when he says LinkedIn level job, like you can't make $10,000 a month selling drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to have a legitimate profession yeah. in order to really be considered a high value man. Visibility, you can't be a high value hermit. People need to know who you are. And you have to be useful to high value men and to normal people. So we have a $10,000 a month. Must have done this for at least three years. Three years yep. Group acceptance from other high value men. Must have a network of high value men and normal people. You must have LinkedIn level job. You must have visibility. You must be a utility to the group and others. How do you feel about this definition? And what do you think about people misusing high value men on these YouTube streets and elsewhere? I like the definition. It's very much targeted. I think he always says he does not include athletes and entertainers. And I think that's a good thing because those folks are just high earners. I think that concept definitely does breaks a man down from just more than just what he can bring to the table money wise. But like he says, what kind of value do you bring to your group? As well as I would believe that it has something to do with the community also. So I really like his definition. I personally, I don't consider myself to be a high value man. I'm missing a couple of those points, mostly income by a little bit and having a lot of other like business connections. But I do consider myself a man of value because I just barely miss those metrics, which is fine to me. It's something that I, I believe that we can all work toward. So as a whole, his definition is very pointed. And it's, I believe it's something that I would consider a truly a high value man. Yeah, I have to mostly agree with you. I know there is, I guess, some controversy or one of the drawbacks or things that people will say is missing from this definition is where's the character component or the morality component. And he kind of brings this up, especially in 2020, when he first started talking about this. He kind of brings it up as far as morals and character are kind of relative to the religion, to the country, to the time period. And he's basically trying to come up with a definition that's kind of independent of that. Later on, I feel like approximately six months ago, he added on some ethics, moral type things that a good high value man would have. But he doesn't really stress that. And his listeners and his detractors definitely don't pay any attention to when he talked about the ethics uh, portion of being a high value man. But, you know, Kevin Samuel's platform overall is for the most part, he's trying to be like, for lack of a better term, worldly. He doesn't really bring up like morals, ethics and traditional right and wrong that often, even though he will uh, get into some Christian debates with individuals that want to pervert the gospel and say that they're Christian. But then they act in a manner that's not congruent with the Bible, but they only want to cherry pick one or two things that they follow and the rest of it, they're acting like a normal feminist. I mean, he will get into it with them, but for the most part, he tries to stay away from moral and ethics. And yeah. that's good and bad. I kind of understand where he's coming from with that, but yeah, I just wanted to add that in. So uh, yeah, I'm not a high value man either. He also, and this is something else that people have issue with, they make it seem like he is devaluing all other men that aren't high value men or like he's making fun of them or he's like, you're a high value man or you're a nobody. And he doesn't do that. He's real big up in the blue collar, the middle class. He has respect for high earners. He has a what a term that I never heard before until I started listening to him. Henry, high earner, not rich yet. Hit squad, Hit squad, things of that nature. So there's levels below high value man that are still respectable, even if you are just a normal guy, if you're taking care of your business and you're uh, responsible or whatnot, like he has no shade against you. Right. The thing is, I guess part of the reason he talks about high value men is one, it's something to shoot for, for all us men. It's a goal, right? For many men. Right. 
two, most women, whether they want to accept it or not, want a high value man. If not a high value man, they want a high earning man. So he kind of defines what is this type of man? How rare are they? They're 5% of the male population or something like that. And then some of his other dating and relationship type uh, talking points kind of stem off the high value or the high earning man. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely would. I would say in the dating market today, if you're out in the actual world, I think a lot of it has to do with image first in order to even get a level of attention from ladies. I believe if you look the part, can speak the part, and then actually be able to follow through and be able to provide some type of proof, I think you can get somewhere. But for the most part, a lot of ladies are attracted to flashiness. So the high value man, I think, will always be in high demand because, again, it's his ability to have a lot of resources. And that will always be attractive in this society we live in where it's what have you done for me lately? What can you do for me? All right, Janet, what have you done for me lately? Okay, (laughs) I hear you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Stat what, what they say, looks, money, status. That's what gets the women's attention, at least women of a certain caliber and a certain age. Well, this high value man is at least the status and the money part. (laughs) Maybe not the looks, but at least those last two. Yep. Anyway, all right. So we've tackled that high value man. So let's go into some of his talking points about what type of woman a high value man wants or a high earning man. We can use those interchangeably, even though he doesn't necessarily. He says that men in general, but especially high value men, want a woman who is fit, feminine, friendly, cooperative, submissive, single, obviously, right, and childless. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty spot on. That's very spot on. I believe from my standpoint, the fitness, feminine and friendly, like those are really, really, really big focal points. But yeah, the feminine, friendly, submissive, cooperative and childless. From my standpoint, when you have a lady who encompasses those traits, she generally will be one who is deeply into you and you will be deeply into her. So you all will be will have a nice, light, easygoing time with one another. I believe that with those traits, you can then create a potentially solid foundation and grow from there and have a foundation that grows for a very long time. I think here in this day and age, a lot of folks don't really understand how to be in real solid relationships. They can't get past the just pure physical or pure let's just have a good time as opposed to growing something that will last you and that is of substance. I think the substance part is what's really getting lost. And when you have that lady who is feminine, friendly, cooperative, and submissive, her mindset hopefully is one that's going to be more of creating a together unit. Yes. Yeah, I hear you on that. So I guess let's break this down a little bit. Fit, Americans in general... But this affects women more than men. Mm-hmm. Like our fitness level has gone down the toilet. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but depending on what race of women you're talking about, it's anywhere from like 60 to 80 percent of women being overweight as defined by doctors. And basically something Kevin will say is how many high value men or even rich men do you see with big girls? And the answer is none unless the big girl met him when he was like in college and broke and they like built yeah. together and they grew together and she's been there 20 years Yeah. then he might be with a big girl but if he met the woman after he became a high value man 9 times out of 10 she's a size 6, 4 or 2 Yeah. so you, you got that 
I agree because the fitness, I like how Kevin says it, but I also say this. Someone's fitness, in my eyes, your fitness is a representation of the way that you treat yourself, the way that you see yourself. That's why it's so important. It's very important to me. If you treat yourself well, then I subconsciously will believe that perhaps you have the attributes that'll make it to where you can treat me well also because you value it within yourself first. And I think so. The fitness thing is always very important to me. It will never change for me. I prefer 150 or less. 5'7", 5'8", 150 or less. That will allow you to be light on your feet. You can go on a nice brisk walk or you can jog or maybe even go ride a bike for a while. You'd be able to move around, be more agile. You will be not having to have potential backache or knee aches or hurting limbs because you're not taking care of yourself. So that's how I view it. Yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you on that for sure. Friendly, that's kind of self-explanatory. But the yeah. crazy thing is, and I've spoke with my fiance about this recently, women do not understand how infrequently and how few women that a man comes across who is actually like friendly, sweet and nice to him. Like, I don't know if it used to be different 20, 30 years ago, but I'm trying to think of how many women do I know that are nice to me? Like not even on a dating tip, just like she's a nice person to me as a man. And it's like less than 5% of all the women I know are just nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it shouldn't be anything rare. And it's not like it's a hard thing to do, but it is rare. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I agree with you on that. But I do come across some ladies, especially in the business world, who are a little bit more friendly or more pleasant to be around. I think a lot of the friendliness that kind of comes from what's the word they use? If if a woman has what do they call it, a sunny disposition, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. Uh, the disposition of a woman, meaning how she was raised, that's going to shape a lot of that. If you're raised in a good household that rewarded you for good behavior and modeled good behavior, those traits tend to carry over into adulthood. That's why you hear that saying, oh, she has a sunny disposition. And that's where she becomes more of a friendlier person. I hear you on that for sure. Feminine. I feel like I tried to define it. Then I had some of my lady guests in season one of the podcast try to define it. But basically, for lack of a better way to explain it, just like the opposite of masculine, typically a high earning man or a high value man is going to be traditionally masculine, like not that emotional, driven, super ambitious about his business, things of that nature. And he's not looking for the same thing in a woman. He, he yeah. He's looking for not at all. the yin to his yang. He's not looking for him in a dress. You know what I mean? Exactly. And not at all. A lot of women don't seem to understand that. They try to become what they are attracted to and not what men are actually attracted to. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And then the cooperative and submissive part, it's almost like cooperative is like a soft way of saying submissive. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of puts <laughs> both of them on there and basically just goes back to A, being truly feminine and B, Kevin's belief in a traditional family structure, basically, that's God, husband, wife, kids right. and that hierarchy. And in 21st century America, that traditional setup has been shunned, basically. Oh, yeah. So submissive is like a cuss word to many women. But what they seem not to realize is that if you're not running the show and making all the rules, if you're a part of any team or any system or under any government, then you have a level of submissiveness to it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, absolutely. you're submissive to the speed limit, especially when the cops are around. You're submissive to the laws. You're submissive to your boss because you show up at eight o'clock like they tell you to and not whenever you want to. Exactly. 
We all have to submit to something in this world, and that's what makes relationships go, or you'll be pounding heads all the time. And that's not a fulfilling relationship at all. Definitely not. And a lot of women nowadays talk about being partners and like they're equal level and co-leaders and things of that nature. And my only real question about that is, please name anything else on earth that has two co-leaders that have equivalent power over a business, a system, over anything. And that actually work. Having co-leaders with not one leader with no Trump ability over the other. Like, where is that in nature? Where is that anywhere else on earth? Uh, Has it worked? Does it work? It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does exist. So <laughs> why do we think it should exist in relationships when we don't structure our jobs that way? Nothing in nature is that way. Friendships, like, mm-hmm. you either have a committee of a bunch of people or you have a single leader. And even a committee, there's a leader to the committee. You're like, yeah. there's always somebody that has to have the final say, has to be at the top of the pyramid. So... Women that think that relationships shouldn't be that way. It's kind of confusing, especially to traditional men and definitely high earning and high value men. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, I will never see how that would work with two CEOs or two bosses. Like, no, someone's got to be able to. But when it's all said and done, someone's got to have the last word. If your life is on the line, who's going to be the last person to make sure that this is it? If it falls through, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even businesses that are partnerships, like each partner does completely different things. You know what I mean? They're not doing the same things. The other weird thing is they want these equally led relationships where everybody's doing everything like that's super inefficient and it really doesn't exist anywhere. Like at least if it's a small business where you have a, a partnership at the top, one gets the clients and does the money and the other does the design or whatever, like they're doing completely different things. And they have a system as to how they determine, I'm saying when they disagree, how the final result's going to be. One of them's older than the other, or one of them put more money into the business to start off or something. There's, there's always a trump. There's always a ace of spades in this game of spades. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. that's how life works. So I don't understand being in denial of it. <laughs> anyway, move on beyond that. He also talks about being childless. And I feel like, of course, high value and high earning men want that. But I feel like most men want that, especially if they don't have kids themselves, because it opens up a, a whole can of worms when a woman has a child from another man. When it comes to dating uh, later on, probably this year, I'm going to do some episodes specifically on single mothers and dating single mothers and the pluses and the minuses and things of that nature. But, you know, Alexander, as a man that had a relationship with a lady who had children, who was actually a divorcee. And I had a pretty decent relationship with her. When it comes to kids, that's a whole different monster. And I, I learned my lesson. I didn't really truly understand it until I got deeper into the relationship. When the relationship was getting to that level where I was thinking, maybe I might want to marry this woman. Mm-hmm. And we moved in together. That's when I think the single man who does not have children If you get with a woman that has children, I understand why high value men don't want it. Because once you get with a woman that has children, you don't really truly understand that life until you live under the same roof. Mm. Because then the kid or kids are there. You see how her daily routine is with her children. And you have to figure out how is that going to work within your life? How is that going to work with your goals and dreams that you may have with your job or profession? You'll have to see, okay, what is my health and wellness like? How do I eat compared to her and her kid or children? Waking up in the morning, going to sleep at night, meals, shopping, budget, like all that stuff really becomes big picture for you. 
So I understood when he says that high value men don't want women who have children. And I think it's because it's the more in-depth things that come along with that. She could be a wonderful woman, have great femininity, be a beautiful person to be around. But it's the actual everyday thing that goes along with a woman with children already, especially if you are a man that does not have it. Because your life is going to change as the man a lot. A lot of things will change that you are just not used to and that you may not want to have to deal with. For sure, for sure. And you also have the element of there being another man, mm-hmm. typically a man that is substandard. Why is he substandard? Because if he was up to the standard, then they would have never broke up in the first place. So typically it's a substandard man that has influence over your household. Is he going to pick up the kids this weekend? Is he not? Yeah. Is he paying child support? Is he not? Is he just going to pop up or is he not? He believes in spanking, you don't. You believe in spanking, he doesn't. Like, there's a whole bunch of things yeah. that you're a high value man, used to being the king of your castle at work at least. You come home and you're like fifth in command because everybody else, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, another man has say over your house. Your woman is putting the kids before you because she's a single mom and that's what is traditionally acceptable in 21st century Western cultures is to put kids before spouse. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not acceptable in any religion, but it's acceptable in our culture. But anyway, So you have all these things going on and he's like, why did I do all this work to make myself a top 10%, top 5% man to bring on all this headache? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And then not to mention, I mean, you can speak on this, but so you're in relationship with the mom, but of course you're building relationships with the kids as well and bonding with them as well. And then what happens when the relationship's over? There's a heartbreak. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like not only is because the woman left, it's because you and the kids can't talk anymore or whatever. You put a bunch of, I'll let you speak on it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that. When it breaks up, if you were building a really solid relationship, that means you were building a relationship with those kids. And when you break up, that's when it it will hit you that you don't get to see those kids anymore. Mm. You don't see them. You don't speak to them. You bonded to them. They bond to you. And I mean, that can kind of eat at you. It really can. And so it's a lot more behind it. It's a lot of the little everyday things that you just don't think about. Yes, for sure. All right. So, yeah, I guess I'll move on from that. And since we already talked about it a little bit, I'll just bring it up now. Another one of his talking points basically is having kids out of wedlock drops your value in the dating market. So this is almost universal, not just with high value men. And we kind of explained why because of all the additional headaches. And I used to refuse to date women with kids. And then about six or seven years ago, I decided to throw that rule out and give it a try. And at least for me personally, it was just a gigantic headache. Trying to plan a date was like trying to schedule a space shuttle launch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Be a challenge. Like, there's so many moving parts. And like my whole relationship with her and especially toward the beginning, it's like my whole momentum or anything I'm doing with her is all contingent on the whims of a babysitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if the babysitter doesn't come through, then I can't come through. Or I can't take her out. Everything's thrown out. If the kids are sick, everything's canceled. If It just adds. It's hard enough meeting people and dating in your 30s in America as is. If you add all these extra headaches, it's just undesirable. Now, I will say this. Age matters a lot, too, when it comes to a kid or children. If the woman you're dating, let's say, has two children, if one is between the ages of seven and nine and the other one maybe 13, 14, 15, that might could work because the 13, 14 year old could babysit for free. Mm-hmm. So that kind of opens the door for things for you. But it's still that has to be you getting with the right woman who so happens to have a child or children in that age range. 
and that she has spent enough time with the older one that she trusts that they can watch over their younger sibling. Yeah. And that kind of situation works out. But that's, again, that's got to be a certain age for that. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, it's also dependent on the firstborn schedule. Does he have a football game that day or a cheerleading or whatever? Like, can he not watch his younger sibling or her younger sibling? You know, that matters as well. And the other thing, even in your scenario, if I'm dating a 35-year-old woman and she has a 15-year-old and a 7-year-old, that means she was a teen. <laughs> that means she was pregnant as a teen. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> not to judge anybody, but typically... If you get pregnant before the society trusts you to drink, then usually that does something to the type of adult you become and kind of changes everything. But yeah. I don't want to uh, go too far down that road because, like I said, later on this year, I'm going to talk about this in more detail. But yeah, so Kevin basically says kids out of wedlock drops your value in the dating market. Women hate that. We basically both agree <laughs> that it does. Something else Kevin says is uh, single mothers probably should marry one of their baby's fathers. <laughs> Like the chances of you getting a man that's a higher caliber than one of the men that you allowed his DNA to bring forth life is slim. So instead of having a broken home or whatnot, it'd probably be better to go back to him or one of them and to try to make it work. Uh, That's definitely controversial advice. What do you think about that? That definitely is controversial advice, but I think that is something that should be considered because you have to then go to the root cause of why did you break up? Mm -hmm. What was the reason? And Kevin says it all the time. Homes that are always primarily broken up are broken up because of the woman. Mm. She decides to break it. So if that is the reason, regardless of how she feels about it, then the onus is on her to go and say hello to him and say, hey, can we talk and come with some humility to the table? And I think in some instances, I think it could actually work. But the onus is on the lady, the mother, to go and reach out to the father and come to him with some humility about the situation and be able to talk it out that way or get a therapist or get someone else in there that can hear you both out. But I think it's something that should be considered. I really do, because, again, it just goes back to who was the original breaker Who was the original person that broke up the family in the first place? Yep, yep, for sure. And you kind of alluded to one of my following points, uh, Kevin Samuel points I was going to bring up. He says basically 75, 80 percent of divorces are filed by women. And even if you say half of them are for good reasons, that means half of them aren't for good reasons. So that means like 40 percent of all relationships are thrown away for arbitrary nonsense reasons. And Kevin's vehemently against this. He says it's probably part of the reason that men are hesitant to get married in the first place. And of course, like you just said, and this is more than just divorce. If you threw your relationship away and it wasn't a he won't stop hitting me or he's a drug addict that I put in rehab a couple times who keeps backsliding every time he gets out type situation, meaning it wasn't a huge legitimate reason, then you (laughs) probably need to humble yourself, as you put it. And put that family back together because that's your best bet. Yeah. Because out here on the open dating market with you with one or two baby's fathers and kids and things of that nature and split allegiances and all the stuff we've already spoke of, it's just going to cause problems for you. Yeah, I agree. For sure. And uh, another thing he says is basically the young and dumb excuse is not an excuse. (laughs) With all the uh, birth control and all of the sexual awareness and discussion that's in the pop culture today like accidentally getting pregnant or I was young and dumb and all that. Basically, you still must, for lack of a better phrase, pay for your decisions or deal with the consequences of your actions. Yeah. You messed up at 18, 16, 23. You don't get to wash it away and start anew. Like 
you still must deal with the fallout of that decision making back in the day. How do you feel about that? I agree, man. I think any woman over the age of 20, at least, I'll say 20, because we know what's up. Everybody knows how babies is made. And we all know that when we in the mood, whatever, you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You have fellas out there to be like, oh, man, she was, man, if I get a chance with her, I, I know I'm, whew, I may not ever pull out. Mm. You know what is required for a baby to get here. You know that if for whatever reason he's uh, blasting in you when you get pregnant, you still got must to decide if that baby's going to make it here. Facts. Because that's what it comes down to. Yes. I mean, your body will start changing. You will know pretty quickly. Within the first three or four months, you can start finding out, like, ooh. And then it's up to you if you continue to decide to carry this baby to term. Yep. Kevin says that women are the gatekeepers of who gets to have sex and who gets born. Mm -hmm. And men are the gatekeepers of relationships and marriages. Right. So, like, women have complete control over who gets outside of sexual assaulting men, that 1%, outside of them, 99% of the time, women have control over who gets it and who gets born. Right. And men have control over who gets married and who gets in a relationship. So, that echoes your sentiment that you just spoke of earlier, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, at the end of the day, ladies control what's happening right there. I do say us fellas have some responsibility in that as well. I mean, guys, if you're not strapping up, you know when you're about to get there. So Mm. you might be in the zone feeling too good or whatever. I know how it is. We all know how it is. You get in the zone, you feeling good, but you know what it's going to take to get on out of there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's move on to some other uh, talking points that Kevin says that are somewhat controversial to some and not really controversial to us. At least most of these aren't. (laughs) He doesn't do this anymore, really, but he used to because originally he was an image consultant. Women used to call in and he would basically rape them. Yeah, he still is an image consultant. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like he started off as an image consultant. So that's his base. And women would call in and ask to be rated or whatnot. And he would rate them. Height, weight, dress size. Right. How do you feel about your face with no makeup, fresh out the shower? You can't use seven, zero to 10 scale. He used to do stuff like that. He doesn't do it much anymore, but he used to. And one of the things from that that I got is basically if you can't use seven, that means you got to pick between a six and an eight if you think you're a seven. And basically, if you're not an eight, nine, or ten, then <laughs> then you're average. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if you're average, you shouldn't expect extraordinary results from you being average. He says that, and he also basically says that if you haven't had any kids, you probably shouldn't be over a size six. That kind of goes back to the, the fit component that we spoke of earlier. Right. So how do you feel about his sentiments on if you're not an eight, nine, or ten, then you're probably not going to be able to get a high-value man also, if you haven't had kids and you're out here single, you probably need to be a size six or smaller. How you feel about either one of those ideals? Yeah, I agree. If you haven't had any kids, I don't know why one would even be okay with being overweight because it's going to have a real impact on your life. It just it just will. And if you are, if you're not an eight, nine or ten, six is a little bit above average, which is not a problem. I mean, there are a lot of women who would probably be considered sixes who are pretty nice. I mean, if you're an average woman, maybe you have a little bit better femininity or a little bit better personality or mindset that can really help you. I mean, he says it all the time. You can be a six with a great personality. And next thing you know, you could be knocking on the door of an eight. You got a great personality. If you're just decent shape, decent looking girl, but a great personality that gets you a couple more points just right off of that. Yes. Yes. I think ladies overlook that a lot. 
Just the importance of just being a friendly person to be around. Having that great disposition can add extra points to you just like that. For sure, for sure. So basically him saying that you can't get a high value man doesn't mean you can't get a high quality man or a man of value as you put before especially and he also says men will go down in looks to go up in cooperation and femininity so that's basically him saying what you just said like if you have a better personality if you're more friendly you're more helpful around the house you're more traditionally feminine you're less of a headache basically then you being a physical six now you're kind of an eight or a nine (laughs) you know what i'm saying because typically Many women of today, at least to a traditional man, are kind of headaches. That's what I'm hoping to marry. I'm hoping to marry a solid six mm. with a great personality. So in my mind, she's like a nine. Sure, I hear you on that. That's good enough for me. That's perfect. I hear you. I hear you, man. For sure. Uh, let's see here. So what else do we got? Kevin, once again, image consultant. Bonnets in public, no good. <laughs> women with big tats or large tattoos, no good. We spoke about that already on a previous recording. Yeah, we both we do not like tats. <laughs> Wigs, mostly no good. Just do the best you have with what God gave you. Lots of makeup. The wig thing, I feel like the wigs have just more recently gotten bigger. Like I swear it seemed like only in the last maybe two years or so. All the women that I've been serious with over the years, they all had their own hair. I don't remember any of my women not having their own hair. Like, they all did. And the wigs thing is just, that's really blowing my mind. I knew that girls would wear weaves, but if the wigs is what's really taking over. And I'm like, that really blows my mind. Because, I mean, that's just the whole thing on top of the head. And sometimes you'll see girls, they get into a fight or something, and the girl takes her wig off, and it's like, whoa. I mean, it's a whole updo for that. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy, yeah. Wigs or excessive weave or like hair extensions or whatever. We're, we're kind of lumping those together. Even though we've already talked about this. I'm not going to talk about it again. Yeah. What else does Kevin say? Long fingernails, no good. We talked about the fingernail thing in our last episode we did together. So just an image consultant and women, if you're trying to actually get married to a decent guy, then doing any of those things is probably going to run them off. Would you agree? Yeah, I think most guys want a woman that's nice to them, looks good to them, and she uses her mind and her body, and it has a good functional use to it. Mm. So having really long fingernails, I don't see how a woman could really want that. I mean, if you're going to work every day, maybe you have to write with a pencil, pick up some things with your hands. Yeah. Having really long fingernails, I don't see how that's useful. Just not practical, for sure on that. Yeah, not practical. And Like, if you have a woman that has decent shape, and she works out, I don't think she's going to want to lift weights or going to want to be running or doing Zumba or anything like that with really long fingernails and all that and really long excess with weave in their face while they're trying to work out. Like, I would see that stuff would get in the way. For sure, for sure. All right. Let's see here. I think this is a good time to pause. Okay. And my audience, we will come back next week for the continuation of this discussion with Mr. SW about Kevin Samuel talking points. Before we go, I just want to quickly recap what was discussed today. We started off with a biographical background of Kevin Samuels. Then we moved on to his talking points. Talking point number one is Kevin's multi-point definition of a high-value man. 
We also discussed how Kevin Samuels does not look down upon or speak ill of the blue collar, the above average man or the average man, but mainly focuses on the high value man because when you listen to women speak about the type of lifestyle they want to live and the type of man they want the most, typically he is high earning or high value. Next talking point from Kevin Samuels is the type of woman that most high earning or high value men desire. And this woman is fit, feminine, friendly, cooperative, submissive, single, and childless. The type of women that successful men want typically fit in these categories. The more successful and wealthy a man is, the less he cares about his woman's wealth, the less he wants to deal with her being masculine or having an attitude, the easier she's going to be to deal with, and the more stereotypically traditionally attractive she is going to be. Next Kevin Samuel's talking point is, Kevin quotes a stat that basically says 80% of divorces are filed by women, and basically, even if half the time women left these relationships for good reasons, that still leaves 40% of all relationships being turned terminated due to nonsense. 40% of all families being broken due to the woman over shallow, petty reasons. Kevin speaks against this and urges women not to be a part of the population that tears a family apart for a non-major reason. And he also advises women who have done this in the past, but it wasn't so far in the past that the situation is irreparable, to go back to that ex and try to put that family back together again for the kids and to make it work. Next talking point, Kevin urges women to understand that to most men, the I was young and dumb excuse when it comes to them having children out of wedlock or participating in any other reckless dating practices in their youth is no excuse. And the more successful and desirable the guy is, the less he's going to tolerate or be sympathetic toward the consequences or the baggage that you currently have now due to the actions of your youth. Next talking point is that women are the gatekeepers of who gets to have bedroom fun and who gets to be born. And men are the gatekeepers of who enters into a relationship and who or when marriage happens. So once again, if you have kids out of wedlock, that's on you. If you have a high body count, that's on you as a woman. And if you can't find a man to commit to you, either you're picking the wrong men, wasting time with the wrong type of man, or you don't qualify to get the commitment from the caliber of man that you desire. Another talking point, or at least something Kevin used to do, is that he would have women evaluate themselves, their face with no makeup on, on a 0 to 10 scale, they can't use 7, and then he would move forward with a dress size, and then basically give the women odds on how much of a chance they have at being able to earn or get a high value man, or at least a high earning man. And basically, the conclusion he came to most of the time was, as a woman, if you're not an 8, 9, or 10, your chances at getting a high-earning or high-value man are slim to none. Unless you discover one before he becomes high-value and latch onto him in your early 20s. Kevin also says that if you're not 8, 9, or 10 and you can't use 7, then that means you're probably in that 5, 6 range, which is basically the average range. And you shouldn't have any issue being with an average man. And if you do, that's your fault. Furthermore, regarding this issue, Kevin says that men typically are willing to go down in attractiveness in order to get increased femininity and cooperation. So a man would rather have a cooperative feminine six than a masculine attitudinal eight. At least when it comes to settling down and getting married, not for one night in the hay, for example. 
the final talking points or tips that Kevin gives that we discussed in this podcast were basically things that women wear that hurt their image and hurt their attractiveness to men. Bonnets in public, large tattoos, lots of tattoos, long fingernails, obvious fake hair, wigs. He warns women against these things. And that's pretty much where we ended things on this episode of Kevin Samuels Examined. What do I think about these talking points? We describe some nuances or some extra things that he probably could say or should say in order to further clarify his points or to be a little bit more thorough. But in general, Kevin's about 90-95% right on pretty much all of these talking points. As politically incorrect as some of them are, the truth is the truth and how men feel is how men feel. Well, stay tuned and come back and join us next time on part two of Kevin Samuels Examine, where we continue our discussion on Kevin Samuels talking points. My name is Alexander B. Stevens. This is the What Is He Thinking podcast, and we are out. Well, that wraps up this episode of the podcast. Alexander B. thanks you for taking time out of your day to listen to what he has to say. Hopefully, you feel the information shared today has helped you get one step closer to understanding men and one step closer to the type of relationship you have always dreamed of. If this episode spoke to you or you indeed felt that it was helpful, please share it with your friends and followers on social media. And text the link to the episode to your inner circle of friends. If you have a future topic suggestion or need any clarification about anything that was shared during this episode, feel free to email the show at whatizhethinking at gmail.com or follow and DM the show on Instagram at whatishethinking underscore podcast. Be clear and concise with your message and Mr. Stevens will do his best to accommodate you. Once again, we appreciate you lending us a listening ear, and we hope your tomorrow is better than your yesterday. Enjoy the rest of your week. The podcast that is here to help you win with men. Signing off. Until we speak again.